Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Second to the last day of 2020. Good fucking riddance, right? Welcome to my house. It's my house. <laughs> um, good morning on a Wednesday. I'd say hump day, but it's uh, yesterday was kind of hump day at the end of the day. The... Um, 
Yeah, my opinion. And, well, 2020 obviously can't end fast enough. Everybody knows that. I have to apologize and explain. Uh, yesterday, um, something happens in the software. And so as I sit here and do the program, if you tried to listen to the live stream of it later in the day, um, it's, I don't know how to describe it. Staticky, degraded. Anyway, but it's not detectable when it happens. That's my problem. I, there's, I don't hear it. And if you look at the, um, <clears throat> if you look at the audio file as it's being produced, right? It so it's a black background, and you see the uh, you see the audio being laid down, right? And it's got a uh, what's called a VU meter, so it bounces green, yellow, red, right? And then it's got that kind of sine wave that shows you your voice, you know, as it's being imprinted in the levels. Well, I mean, there's no indication in that that something's different or wrong. And um, and so, so I don't notice it. And then somebody, most of the time what happens is somebody will shoot me an email and say, hey, it sounds cr like crap. <laughs> And uh, and I'll check it out. And the first time it happened, I um, you know I looked at all the different ways that I could somehow to you know fix it, and I can't. Right, and the bottom line is I can't. So um, yeah. Um. Yeah, so I tried everything. First, I thought it was the player, so I switched to a different player. Uh, that was not the issue. Uh, then I thought I might be able to, like, maybe remove some of it. Uh, we always reboot the, the software application, right? Reboot the system. Maybe it's the sound card itself. And then all of a sudden, you flip it over to another uh, sound card, of which I have two. And it's you hear the same thing. So so with apologies, that's what happens. It's something, and I wish I, I it's never happened before, so I don't know how it happens, but uh, they, things like that happen. <laughs> uh, when you do sound for a living, uh, you learn that inside of your computer, all these applications are colliding, competing for assets and things like that. And sometimes it's nothing more than plugging something in, like a USB drive or something like that that makes something go stupid and impacts the ecosystem, if you will. So, anyway, um, good morning to you with that apologetic explanation of, uh, of why that happens. Because it's not the first time it's happened, and uh, and I don't like it. So, anyway. But I already tested everything out again this morning, and, uh, and uh, so... Uh, that kind of works. Um, that's the way it works. There's reports that in 2019, the police were tipped off that the guy who was the bomber in Nashville
that his girlfriend reported that he was making bombs in a motorhome. And I'll find the most credible Yeah, the most credible source. Okay, so I'm scrolling through. Let's see. Who would I choose? Business Insider. And they're normally pretty good. There's a whole lot of... Well, let me go back to the NPR story. Here's the NPR story. Headline, Nashville bomber's girlfriend warned police about him in 2019. Now, I will, I, will, I will compare and contrast as I go through the story. Um, remember that kid who went to that high school? Um, and shot all those kids in Florida? And her father her father um I have the audio of I used to play it during the opening for a while, and her father's talking about my daughter's not going to be here because up on that third floor well. The truth is that, you know, police have been warned and called about this kid almost 50 times, you know. And, um, you know, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So when I heard this story, you know, I thought about that. Right? Somebody's making bombs... Somebody reports exactly the truth. Okay. Now, again, I've said this about 9-11. So this is a report in, you know, how many reports do we get that day? How many reports do we get that week? Why is this one any different? So we go out and we take a look and we don't find anything that allows us to investigate further. That's normally how these things happen. But here's the story. More than a year before the explosion that rocked Nashville last week, Anthony Warner's girlfriend told police that he was building bombs in an RV trailer at his residence, according to a police report filed in August of 2019. Yet the report indicates Nashville police never made contact with Warner. Despite having the report in their database, police did not share it with public until Tuesday evening, four days after Warner drove his RV to downtown Nashville and detonated a bomb out of the vehicle, killing himself and injuring at least seven people. Whether law enforcement had any warning about the bombing has been an open question since the explosion. On Sunday, the head of the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations, or the TBI, told reporters that Warner was not on law enforcement's radar before the bombing, and on the evening of the blast, Nashville Police Chief John Drake said no prior threat had been made against the city. Now we get to the, the 2019 report. 
Well, I guess if you got the report and you didn't investigate it, how could he be on your radar? Could somebody invest? Could somebody explain to me how we get that report? And again, but for the grace of God, nobody's dead. It, I mean, and you look at the explosion. You know, holy shit, man. Holy shit. The article goes on. However, the 2019 police report first obtained by the Tennessean, that's the big paper out of Nashville, and News Channel 5 shows that officers responded in 2019 to a call at the home of Warner's girlfriend who told them he was building bombs. The woman's attorney, Raymond Throckmorton, was also present and told police that Warner frequently talks about the military and bomb making, according to the report. The lawyer stated that he believes that the suspect knows what he is doing and is capable of making a bomb. When police knocked on Warner's door, they received no answer. According to the report, they saw an RV in the yard and several security cameras with wires attached to an alarm sign on the front door. The police department's bomb squad also called Throckmorton, who also identified himself as Warner's attorney, a police spokesman said. So he's both people's attorney? Because he's initially posing as a girl's attorney. The recollection of that call is that Warner did not care for the police and that Throckmorton would not allow his client to permit a visual inspection of the RV. Police did not take any additional action. So somebody says somebody's building bombs. That's not probable cause to get a warrant and to go search. But Throckmorton recalls the follow-up conversation with police differently. He tells News Channel 5 he was not representing Warner at the time. Quote, I certainly would never have told them not to check it out when I'm the one who said, Go the hell over there and find out what's going on, he told the station. In an email to member station WPLN, a police spokesperson says the report was sent to the department's bomb squad and the FBI. The FBI checked its databases, found no records on Warner at all. The FBI reported that the Department of Defense checks on Warner were all negative. So... The girlfriend reports it. The police go out there. They look around. And then they leave. So, you know, it seems to be similar to the Florida event. And I, I, I hadn't read this article until just now. Um, it seems to be similar to the Florida event. In that <laughs> somebody tells you exactly what's going on. Do you think making a bomb in a motorhome? might get your attention it would get my attention it's amazing it's amazing if you can't stop shit like this and if they go look if they go look they find everything it's all there all they got to do is look go get a warrant Right? We have a witness saying somebody's making bombs. That doesn't break squelch. Oh, we checked our databases. There was nothing on them. Oh, that's right. Your databases, that's the fucking crystal ball, right? 
if you can't prevent this, if you're if the, if the way you conduct business on a daily basis, and I will liken it to this. So I'm on an aircraft carrier, uh, the USS Ranger, in 2000, not 2000, 1987. We're up near the coast of Iran, and we're at general quarters. And here's what we do. We have aircraft flying, combat air patrol, right? They're checking stuff out in the air. They'll check stuff out on the ground if they get vectored to it, okay? So they're flying combat air patrol. Checking things out. The surface guys, what do they do? Every surface contact that's within X number of miles of the carrier battle group gets checked out. It gets designated. Who is it? What do they got going on? So you can have freighters that operate in. So here's the traffic out there. You have uh, you have sea lanes. Okay. So if we're going to go from Singapore in the Moluccan Straits to Somalia, there's essentially a road that freighters travel in the water. Yeah. Same thing in the sky. If I had F-18 man on, he'd explain, right? There's routes in the sky. That's why when you're flying and you look out the window, you'll see other aircraft going the other way most of the time. Um, so... I think all the time. I've never been passed in an airplane, just for the record, now that I think about it. So, what was our job out there? So, we're out there doing our thing. Anybody who's not in a shipping lane because they're going to a smaller port or something like that, um, or they're a fishing boat chasing fish, or whatever reason you would be off the beaten path, they require scrutiny. And that's what we did on a nightly basis. And that's what police departments do on a daily basis. You go and you check it out. If something doesn't look right or the report says they move too fast or there's something on the the deck of the ship that looks odd, there's something under a piece of canvas that looks like a weapon, right? All that merits closer scrutiny. And for the life of me, an eyewitness telling you that somebody, right, that somebody's making a bomb, her boyfriend's making a bomb, and he knows what he's doing? And you go out there, look around, you check a database, and you say, fuck it? Yeah, somebody should quit. (laughs) My opinion. Somebody should quit. Um, Yeah, so I've been... I've been not wanting to rush to judgment because I said in the aftermath of September 11th that when people said, aha, here it is, right? They knew what was going to happen and they just ignored it. Um, I said, you know, that's not true. You know, so it's a source that's never reported, right? I think it, in electronic surveillance or something, and uh, and it comes in with 2,000 other reports. Does anything corroborate it? Does anything else, is there any form of quote-unquote chatter that you hear? No. It's a single report from a, a, a you know, a non, a, a source that's not reliable. So it's put in a, a different pile. I, and I'm, so I'm not saying that, oh, there it is. No, that's, I'm just saying, like, should it break squelch? Should it break squelch? The answer, 
is, yeah, in my opinion, yes. Now, here's another story. When authorities visited the girlfriend at her home, about half a mile away from Warner's home, she handed over two unloaded guns that she claimed belonged to Warner, telling authorities she did want did not want them in the house any longer. She also told Nashville police that Warner was building bombs in the RV trailer at his residence, according to the police. At the time, a lawyer who was representing both Warner and his girlfriend, the lawyer says that's not the case, told officers that Warner frequently talks about the military and making bombs. He knows what he's doing and is capable of making a bomb, the police report said. After visiting the girlfriend on that day, officers went to Warner's home, knocked on the door. He didn't answer the, the door. They also noticed the RV parked outside. The RV had several security cameras and wires attached and appeared to have an alarm set on the front door. Nashville police saw no evidence of a crime at the time and had no authority to enter the property, so they left and sent a report to the department's hazardous devices unit. So wait a minute. You have an eyewitness statement saying that he's building bombs. You walk up to the house, you knock on the door, and you say there's no evidence of anything. The RV with the security system? (laughs) Right? Uh, And then we check our databases, and then we say, fuck it. And that's what happened. And again, uh, but for the grace of God, nobody's dead. Nobody's dead. In Florida, that high school, not so lucky. Not so lucky. So, I don't know. You know, to me, um, it's head shaking. Uh, Earlier today... I want to talk about this, and then we'll kind of open the program. Well, let me let me do this. Um, I'm doing something I've never done today, and that is uh, I am I am going to go pick up somebody I've never met who asked me for help over the Christmas holiday, and. Um, And so, struggling, former Marine, and uh, his friends got involved, and uh, he's uh, coming out here to Southern California to uh, go to a job interview and uh, work out here for one of his friends. And so, um, so he says to me, calls me, and he goes, hey, Mac, I have a favor to ask. I said, yeah, what's up? And he said, could you give me a ride out to my job interview? I said, where is it? And he said, it's in Riverside. And I said, well, let me just make sure I don't have any other commitment. So I look, and I didn't. And I said, yeah, I can do that. He said, I said, send me the address. So he's flying into LAX. So I live in Orange County, so I, that's about a 45-minute drive. He's, I don't, for those of you not familiar with Southern California, Beaumont. So Riverside is east, right? Beaumont is beyond Riverside. That's where he's going, going to Beaumont. I look, I'm like, holy shit, man, Beaumont. <laughs> so I'm going to go play chauffeur um, 
I'm going to go play chauffeur uh, today. But why not, right? Like, what else? What else could I be doing better? You know, going to work out, right? Uh, writing, you know, chapter one of my book, um, which uh, my co-author uh, sent me her uh, first draft and what she thinks it ought to be. And so I'm going to work on that today or tonight. And so, I mean, I could do that, but um, I thought, you know what? Get in my truck. I had to get a new battery yesterday. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to head out to Beaumont. Yeah, Beaumont, California. So, um, yeah, the last Wednesday of the year of 2020, as I said, good riddance. Uh, when we come when we come back, I want to talk about the, uh, I saw an article about the Army relaxing grooming standards. What? I'm just telling you that I think all this ends poorly. It will end poorly for communities. Right? And um, an army that already struggles with discipline, uh, relaxing grooming standards. At what point do you not join us anymore and we join you? And you believe that you can have it your way. Burger King. It all bends to me as opposed to, no, I, I joined this service and, you know, I'm serving and there's certain things I have to, you know, compromise on. One of them is my appearance. And we do that for the sake of uniformity, you know, blah, blah. Does all that, is all that wrong now? Is all that, uh, is all that farcical? Well, then why, why do we need to wear uniform? I mean, can't, why wouldn't you just be able to, you know, come to work the way you want to. I mean, really. I mean, maybe wear uniforms when we need to, like in a war or something like that. But, you know, grooming standards? So we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, I have a couple comments to make about Alec Baldwin and the ongoing controversy that surrounds his wife. Um, and which, which I find amusing. But again... So why does it matter, I guess, is the question. The answer is it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm sure Some people are up in arms. I just think it's arrogant. And so I have a couple comments to make about that. And uh, and then there's... Um, I saw a couple things that caught my eye this morning. Um, one is a, a piece in the Wall Street Journal called The Slow Birth of COVID Realism. Um, another story I want to comment about because I believe it portends the future, um, and it's a Reuters story. Federal probe ends without charging Cleveland police in the Tamir Rice shooting. And then uh, one other story in the Wall Street Journal, uh, the pandemic has reshaped U.S. employment, speeding changes across industry. Yeah, a whole dose of COVID that, I mean, looks like it will change the landscape of the way we work, you know, for uh, maybe forever. Or, you know, we might find, uh, companies might find that, you know, yeah, you know, maybe allowing people to work from home for certain people is a good thing, but for others, not so much. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't over-dramatize it, 
but it certainly is going to impact. Not everybody's going to go back to their office. I mean, I think uh, a lot of people are going to are going to find that if I want to hire higher talented people, I have to give them more flexibility. And I think that's absolutely legitimate. Um, and I think we're going to find that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that we don't that that we don't have to be at a certain site for. You're, what you're seeing is you're seeing uh, companies like Oracle relocate out of you know, the Silicon Valley, at least part of their operations, and uh, telling their employees, you can work from wherever. And that is an effort to continue to retain, right, you know, very, very high-quality employees. And, you know, uh, they may be able to drop their wage rate because, you know, you don't have to live in one place and come into a fixed site. You can live wherever the hell you want to, which means I don't have to pay as much. If you could stay at home, there's a trade-off in that. So uh, interesting stuff. And then uh, we'll check the top five stories in early bird today as uh, we head towards uh, 9 o'clock. So good uh, good Wednesday morning to you. Happy hump day to everybody out there. And uh, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine last night. Um, it was the second one of these kind of conversations I had yesterday. Um, he called He just sent me a text. What are you doing? Which I just grabbed the phone. And um, I called him and he said, evidently nothing. I said, well, normally I could, you know, we could act like teenagers and text for the next half hour. And he started laughing. So we had a conversation about, you know, just him over the holidays with people, fam just family members. Um, and it started out with a conversation between he and one other person. And then he noticed how many other people were listening. I said, let me tell you, man, everybody's dealing with it. Everybody's dealing with it. And, uh, and so, um, pretty cool conversation. So anyway, good morning to you on a Wednesday. Uh, happy hump day. The United States Marine Corps band makes this morning official. Good morning to you. <laughs> dedicated to uh, everybody out there that's struggling uh, during the holidays. Uh, um, as uh, post-traumatic winning has grown, um, I kind of have, um, I kind of 
I'm running eight hundred. I'm running eight hundred number service, which I'm more than willing to do, uh, where I help people. And so, uh, again, the those daily shots of joy, uh, those uh, bow waves of joy that come into my life uh, that start with. You don't know me, but, or I saw you speak, but, or somebody told me about you. Could we talk? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and so, yeah, that's becoming now an you know, even bigger part of my life. And, but, but again, the holidays bring it out. Uh, so like my friend uh, Montana Man, uh, be sensitive to it and just understand the gift that you have. Um, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because I'm telling you, they want to go there. So this is dedicated to everybody who's struggling out there. And then it's doubly dedicated to all the rest of you who know what to do for them. May you have the small bit of courage it takes to stick your hand out. And when, you, when I say stick my hand out, stick your hand out. Um, what I'm really talking about is, you know... Um, on the Sistine Chapel, the hand of God. That's the visual that I want you to have in your head. Yeah. It's just sticking your hand out. You're not a therapist. You're just going to help somebody. You're just going to have a conversation about a path through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't need to be a therapist to give them the tools to do that. Okay? You don't need to be a therapist to do that. So, this is dedicated to both those groups of people. All right? You were meant for each other. You can help each other. All right? So, let's get after this shit. And to Libby, who said, just admit it, you need a Mac. You know... I can fix a lot of things. I can't fix rubeness. R-U-B-E-N-E-S-S. Yes. Her royal rubeness down there in Alabama. Huntsville to be exact. Yeah. Yep. So. This is dedicated to those two groups of people. Right? Just be on the lookout for them and don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid to go there. Trust me. It'll be a great experience.
you're betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. We have to win, okay? It's what we do. That's a fact, Jack. Sunny and 39 in Quantico, so cold on the East Coast. Partly sunny and 52 down the coast of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, in case you don't know. Uh, in California, Sunny and 49 right now in 29 Palms. Sunny and 49 at Camp Pendleton, that same sun and 49. Camp Smith in Hawaii, clear, dark, and 73. Okinawa, dark, cloudy, and 51. Whoa, that's like, I don't know that I've ever seen the air temperature on Okinawa that cold, ever. Yeah, go figure. Darwin, though. Nothing stops Darwin. Dark, cloudy, and 81. And in Norway, snowing and 34 degrees late in the day. At the home of All Marine Radio, sunny and 48 degrees. Looking for a high today of 64. 62 tomorrow, 68 on Friday. 63 on Saturday and 62 on Sunday. That is a look at your weather. Now, if this was a normal show, I would pause and uh, we would take a break. And But I'm not going to do that today because right? I'm only going to be here for an hour. And so uh, so um, let's talk about a few things. Alec Baldwin. So your wife is from Spain. She's got this big, she's running this big grift on everybody. Right? <laughs> and... Like, you meet her mom and dad. They've never been to Spain. You meet her brothers and sisters. Everybody, right? Everybody born and raised in Boston. So, do you ever ask, hey, Hill, honey, um, could you explain the whole Spanish thing to me? Um, cause it's making me a little nervous because, you know, it's not easy to run one of these scams on the whole world, especially when you're a public figure like me. And so I think it's pretty safe to assume that, um, He knew the whole thing. Now, what difference does it make? 
Well, I think it goes to a human being's credibility. Now, does it matter if Alec Baldwin, as an actor, has any personal credibility? The answer to that is no. He's an actor. He does pretend. So it matters not. But it does matter when Alec Baldwin wants to comment on matters in the public realm. Then it matters. Like, Alec, shut up, man. Nobody wants to hear from you. You're a clown. Your wife is a clown. And and you can you can conduct your own circus, but not in public. Sorry. And now that we all know that, you know, we're all expected to play charades and you know <laughs> I mean the story again, the stories are um, they're laughable, honestly. But don't stay away from serious subjects. Because this is ridiculous. And you were as much of it as she was. You were the enabler of it, truth be told. So anyway, um, the Army is relaxing, evidently, going to announce relaxed grooming standards. So let me let me see if I can find this story real quick. And this is a story written by Haley Britsky. Quote, having grooming standards that show sensitivity to the cultural and ethnic diversity already present already present in our army would go a long way, blah, 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 blah. I can say that hair is absolutely something The prod, that Project Inclusion is actively working on. We'll have an update next month. And that is from Sergeant Major Michael Grinston, 16th Sergeant Major of the Army. So, earlier this year, Lieutenant Colonel Andrea Peters, a black instructor at West Point, wrote at military.com that when she was a cadet, the regulation at the time included a photo which showed a white woman with her hair uniformly laying down and pulled to the back of her head in a bun. That image reinforced the same European standard of professionalism and beauty that had become mine as a girl. The, The natural for me was not good enough. She said she felt pressured to perm her hair in order to look professional, squared away and beautiful at the academy and in the army. For those not familiar with textured hair, specifically black women's hair, this means I was rushing to straighten my hair with a home no-lie relaxer made of calcium hydroxide or potassium hydroxide as an active ingredient. The relaxers burn the scalp, often leaving sores or irritated tender skin. The discussion about change comes amid an intense focus on from service leaders on improving the Army culture and increasing the diversity and inclusion with the force. The issue of hair standards specifically was reignited on social media last week when men and women alike 
were calling for change and describing what they view as a broken and antiquated policy that unnecessarily burdens women who serve. For women, ponytails and braids allowed with sensitivity for curly hair, different textures of hair. Allow earrings and neutral nail polish like I believe the Navy and the Air Force do. For men, trim beards with religious and derma waivers available. So, good order and discipline uh, is going to change. Now, you know, I let me tell you, I don't have any problem, you know. Uh, I don't think as a woman that should you join the army, you have to shave your head or you should have to do things to your head that are stupid. Okay? So I, I, I will be curious to see how the, the army navigates this. Because I think it's important that you do it appropriately. You know, you should not have to look like a dude to join the army. And that, you know, that grooming standards should be achievable by everybody. By everybody. And most of the time, what you see with women is hair pulled back in a bun. Right? That's what you see. Will that change? How about nail polish? What's appropriate for that? So anyway, there's all kinds of... It's it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, and again, should you have to damage your scalp to be in the, the military? Answer that, no, you should not. And, uh, but again, it's it's... The question is, and I would go the same thing applies kind of in the whole discussion about you know if you're if you're a transgender person right do you have a right to serve in the military or are there standards that the military has that if you can't support then you're not qualified or are standards just say you know come on you know don't be like that they want to serve so they should be allowed I, I again so and I thought General Mattis while he was Secretary of Defense, I thought he got that right. I thought he got that right. And um I I think in, in doing the study and again if you're a if you're a transgender person um and you are full up brown mentally and you're full up brown physically and you can pass all the tests, then feel free. If you want to, if you want, if you're a transgender person that wants to change your gender, McNamara's opinion is that is incompatible with military service. You have to do that, and then you can join. If you want to do that while you're on active duty, I would tell you that is grounds for, um, that is grounds for being medically discharged. Oh, Mac, I know. Look, we would not put you on the shelf for any other reason for multiple years as you 
live for a period of time as somebody of another gender, and then you go through the whole surgical process. We wouldn't do that for anybody else if they had a shoulder issue, a knee issue, an ankle issue, or anything else. We would not put you on the shelf for years because that's not the way the military works. The military's job is to fight wars. So, again, so I am, you know, I am sympathetic to, like, dumping chemicals on your scalp to do that to your hair so you can comply with standards that really haven't been written with you in mind. I'm sympathetic to that. I'm also a believer in standards, and there's a reason we have those standards, and those standards are important. Because let me tell you, what the United States military doesn't need to do is get less discipline. You've already seen the shit show that is the United States Navy, right, throughout the year 2020. If you look, if you want to, if you want to take, um, if you want to say, okay, in 2020, based on the news, which branch of the service concerns you most? Without a doubt, it's the United States Navy. Without a doubt. Their inability to function at a high level should be a concern for anybody who watches the defense of the nation. Yeah. And and the root of that is discipline in the Navy, is standards. The Navy doesn't stick to them. They don't have it. It's perceived as an easy service to be in, right? And then you get what you get. So discipline uh, discipline is a big thing. I want to talk about um, the slow birth of COVID realism. Now, I saw an interview done with a mayor in Oregon who's um, who's saying, "Hey, look, you know, there's going to be nothing left if we don't if we don't get out, if we don't eat, if we don't shop." And and why is it that the big corporations get to stay open, but the small stores don't? Why is that? Why is it that Home Depot can stay open and that, you know, other people that are essentially doing the same thing don't get to? So, anyhow, um, the standard should be the standard. Here's the standard. Unless you're eating at the same table in a restaurant, six feet apart, wear a mask. Okay, I got it. I got that. I could do that. It applies to everybody. Now, here's the problem. Enforce it. Can't. And nobody is. I said yesterday, I went down to San Clemente last week. Every restaurant in San Clemente is open serving food outdoors. Every one of them. In absolute defiance of the the order of the governor of the state of California. Right? And the Orange County Sheriff says, I will not enforce that. So, people staying open. Try to stay in business. Trying to stay, stay in business. So, in my opinion, COVID realism... Right, COVID realism is is that understanding, and now there's a new, more contagious strain that's in the country. It's been identified in Colorado, started in the UK, Great Britain, if you will, um, and now it's here. And you heard the surgeon, not the surgeon general, but I can't remember which guy, Admiral So and So, I think, whatever that dude is. Um, you heard him say, "Look, it's probably already here. You know, it's been discussed in the UK." But if it's in the UK, it's in Europe. If it's in the UK, it's already in the United States. That would be a safe assumption. And he was right. 
So what are we going to do? Another strain happens? And the sad reality is, for our hospital administrators that are listening this morning, you've got to build bigger bigger facilities. You've got to have surge capacity because the, the nation has to go to work. We cannot stay as we are. And, you know, these assholes like Gavin Newsom who shut down businesses, are you going to be there? Are you going to give them the relief? Is the state of California going to give them these people whose businesses you've destroyed, are you going to bail their ass out? Are you going to pay the back rent for all these people who can't go to work? Who decides that? Where does that money come from? That's not a small pot of money. $2,000, right? That's what that's what the Senate's going to debate. right? And I don't know anybody who makes under $150,000 that says, yeah, I couldn't use that. If you were in good shape, you've drained some of your savings. If you're in great shape, meaning you make more than $150,000, you have two incomes, and you've, you've worked the whole time, you have no issues. You're the lucky part of this, this culture. But if you're in any way connected to any industry that's impacted, you're probably not paying your rent or your mortgage. You probably drained a significant amount of your savings account, and you're being financially destroyed by the by by elected officials who didn't build surge capacity for their ICUs so that you could say, look, I know it's going to spike. We're prepared for it as best we can. We're going to triage people. You know, I just saw a headline here, I think here in Orange County or in L.A. County. They stopped doing elective surgeries. Well, no shit, man. How could you say, yeah, we're at capacity, but we're still doing elective surgeries? I'm like, yeah, the audio and the video aren't syncing up for me right there, bro. But so it goes. So to me, you got to build surge capacity. And if we haven't figured out now how to protect the most vulnerable, shame on us. Shame on us. And let me tell you, essential workers are the most vulnerable, right? The most vulnerable should be above essential workers, period. If you're an essential worker and you're, <laughs> and you're under the age of 65, 99.4% chance of survivability. Why the fuck are you getting the vaccine? Instead of somebody who's north of 65 and has comorbidity, Factors that will kill them. Indicate that if they get it, they will certainly be at risk. Hello? I mean, come on, man. Figure it the fuck out. But again, this interview I saw with this this mayor in Oregon says, yeah, you know, we're encouraging everybody to get out there and shop. Go live your life. You got to do that. And the people who are at risk, you got to stay the fuck home. There's two tiers. But we can't figure it out. And to me, that's a slow birth of COVID realism. Now, the subheadline is this. Can we now admit that herd immunity and vaccines will work in tandem? Well, if you can't admit that, like, are you intellectually somehow deficient in some way, shape, or form? Is that what's going on here? And I believe that that that, that to be the case. So if if we inoculate the at-risk population, and we get after that in a big way, and, and we have 99.4% survivability of everybody else below 65, then 
build the surge capacity and deal with those people who can't figure it the fuck out. That's COVID realism. The nation's got to go back to work. It cannot stay this way because the state governors that are ordering this shit do not have the money to pay for the impact. And what did I see a woman say? This is a couple of months ago. The cure cannot be worse than the problem. And that's where we're at right now. And again, those people who worship at the altar of Dr. Fauci, right, and, and Dr. Burks, who was retired, by the way, because she didn't follow her own fucking advice, right? Um, another version of Hilaria, right? Uh, Baldwin. The audio and the vis- video aren't quite syncing up. Everybody needs to stay home but me. I'm going to go to my Jersey home to get it ready to be sold or winterize it, one of the two. And I'm going to have my daughters there, my grandkids there, in spite of the fact that I told everybody else not to do that. I mean, seriously, what the fuck are you thinking about? Oh, but nobody's going to notice. Hey, Hilaria Baldwin got away with it for 10 years. And now, right, under the guise of this, admit nothing, deny everything, make counter accusations. That's what she's doing. She's continuing to sell it. It's amazing. So, again, COVID realism. The country's got to go back to work. That's the way it is. And if you're and if you are at risk, you gotta stay home. So anyway. Um so that in my head this morning. Uh the other story, two more stories I want to talk about. The federal probe without charging Cleveland police in the shooting of Tamir Rice, who I want to say it was twelve or thirteen when he got shot. The U.S. Justice Department said yesterday it has closed a civil rights investigation into the fatal 2014 shooting of Cleveland police by Cleveland police of Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old black youth, and that no federal criminal charges would would be brought in the case. The announcement came five years after an Ohio grand jury cleared two Cleveland police officers of state charges of wrongful death of wrongdoing in the death of Rice, who was shot at a playground while holding a toy gun capable of shooting pellets. Well, then it's not a fucking toy, is it, if it shoots pellets? It's a pellet gun. The slaying occurred when officers, one of them a rookie, rolled up to the park in a police cruiser. The veteran at the wheel, the rookie in the passenger side. The rookie sprung from the vehicle and fired his gun twice at the youth within seconds, killing the boy. Both police officers were white. Tamir Rice was black. The officers were dispatched to the scene by a 911 dispatcher based on a call reporting a suspect with a gun near a recreation center. So they were going to protect. But the critical information the caller gave the dispatchers, namely that the person in question was a juvenile and that the supposed weapon might be a toy, was never related to the police officers. As a result, the officers believed they were responding to a playground where a grown man was brandishing a real gun at individuals, presumably children. 
Now, again, how the fuck does this ever get to the Justice Department? Now, again, prepare yourself because the defense in the William Floyd case is going to be similar. So, 2021, man. 2021. Uh, Top five stories in early bird today. And then I will uh, leave you to do your good deeds. Number one is... Uh, Senator Mitch McConnell signals the Senate will vote to override Trump's defense veto. So uh, that in the news. Number two, Army is planning a major overhaul of its hair and grooming regulations. Number three, the Marine Corps started fielding 30,000 rifle suppressors to combat units. Now, this is always interesting. I was in Iraq in 2004 when we started putting scopes on every rifle. And then everybody had to have them. Didn't matter what your job was. Didn't matter if, you know, you were an electrician that worked on generators that stayed, you know, pretty much on a firm base. Um, everybody screamed, we have to have these things. Uh, the Marine Corps says not so for suppressors. Mar Force Systems Command began fielding the first of 13,700 suppressors designed for the M4 and the M4A1 carbine and the M27 infantry automatic rifle to Marines at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. The command hopes to field approximately 30,000 of these devices by the end of 2023. We've never fielded suppressors at this scale, said the program manager, Major Mike Brisker. This fielding is a big moment for the Marine Corps. Infantry weapons created an incredible amount of noise on the battlefield, but adding suppressors helps muffle their audible and visual signature, making it more difficult for the enemy to ascertain their location, said CWO, probably gunner Dave Tomlinson, infantry weapons officer at Mar Force Systems Command. Also helps in controlling uh, your your own unit. So suppressing your own signature as well as controlling your own unit because they can hear the things you're saying, right? So, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, that's huge. I would tell you two things. That suppressor and then lightening the body armor that you walk around with are would be huge improvements for lethality for anybody who has to fight. But again, since we're just going to be in security mode, maybe we don't need that shit. Uh, the U.S. Navy Hong Kong port calls likely to be scuppered. What does scuppered mean? S-C-U-P-P-E-R-E-D. As ties with China's military continues to deteriorate. You know what? That sucks because Hong Kong is an awesome place to go. <laughs> Seriously. It's like San Francisco and New York City, my, one of my favorite cities to ever, that I've ever visited, Hong Kong. Yeah, first of all, it's beautiful. It goes from, like, bay to mountains very quickly. And it's exotic. It's Chinese influence. You have, like, the influence from us. You know, the, so the British influence throughout. And then it's cosmopolitan place, right? You have, the, you know, kind of a Philippine influence there in the region. You know, uh, certainly the Chinese influence. And the colony of uh, Hong Kong, you know, that has its own great history. So, um, but what does scuppered mean? 
Scuppered. To prevent from working or succeeding. To thwart. Got it. So the U.S. Navy's Hong Kong port call is likely to be thwarted as China's military continues to deteriorate, as ties with China. So that's too bad. Pretty good port call. And number five, now is not the right time to split the NSA and Cyber Command. Didn't know that that was a thing. In addition to the big Russian hack, some other surprising news occurred in cybersecurity world this holiday season. The Pentagon is reportedly considering ending the dual-hat arrangement that allows the commander of U.S. Cyber Command to simultaneously serve as the director of national, as the director of the National Security Agency. So he's not the National Security. You hear NSA, right? National Security Advisor. This is the National Security Agency. The idea, which was surfaced repeatedly since the stand-up of Cybercom, will not advance U.S. national security. The current arrangement has served both organizations well for years. There is no immediate need to split the two offices right now. According to reports, the plan to end the dual-hat arrangement has been sent to the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley, who, according to public law, would have to sign off on the split along with acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller. So, that in the news. Let me see if there's anything else I would report to you during this holiday season. The smattering of COVID sightings around the world is in the news. Uh, The Biden administration faulting the Pentagon for obstruction. There's a study out. Is Is the military paying troops too much? Yes and no. New in 2021, border deployment slowly winding down as more wall goes up. A national security issue, 75 military doctors and nurses deployed to California hospital as COVID-19 surge. So, t- uh, hey, there's a plan, right? We mobilize our, uh, our assets out of the guard. We have surge capacity, right? And we deal with this because we can't shut the thing down. We have to deal with those people, you know, that are that are at risk, that are getting this thing, that are going to be part of the people that that this, you know, that this impacts in a big way. Turkey and the United States in talks to form a joint working group on the S-400s and sanctions, according to a Turkish minister. Hmm. Another headline. It can go further. Russia touts military tries to China in a warning to Biden. Oh, my God. Will Uncle Joe genuflect at the altar of China and Russia? Good question. U.S. and North Korea dialogue at a crossroads, according to analysts. You think? You think Joe's going to go to... uh, you think Uncle Joe's going to go to uh, Uncle Joe's? That's Uncle Joe Stalin. But do you think the <laughs> Joe Stall, Joe Stalin? Do you think Joe Biden's going to North Korea? You think you're going to be buddies? You know, let me tell you, it was better than him launching missiles. You know, over Guam.
All right. Uh, that is a look at your news today. So, again, uh, during this holiday season, uh, what I want to encourage you is to be on the lookout for people that are struggling. And don't be afraid to go there. Don't be afraid to... Um, don't be afraid to... Don't be afraid to go there. Don't be afraid to talk to them. Don't be afraid to uh, to bring the subject up. Any of it. Because, you know, um, as skittish as we are about talking about it, I will tell you this. They're, they're waiting for somebody to talk to them about it. They're dying to talk about it, as a matter of fact. And so, you know, you could be that person for somebody. You could be that person for somebody. And um, so, again, I, I just, uh, there's so much of this around. And very, again, and very little of it has to do with any part of the military. It has to do with life and the fact that life can get difficult. So be on the lookout. You've been warned, okay? If you're just tuning in, um, top of the show, there's reports that the Nashville bomber, his girlfriend reported to police that um, he was making bombs. Police went to his home. He was making bombs in a mobile home. And um, the police went out there. They knocked on his door. He didn't answer. They looked at the motorhome. They saw security cameras, multiple, arrayed around the motorhome. And they left. That was it. This guy could have been dealt with a couple years ago. So, yeah. Somebody just sent me an email about, are you surprised at the crime numbers that we've seen going up? And the answer to that is, no, I'm not, right? If you were a criminal, would you be more or less likely to further your endeavors now? You'd be more likely. If that was your business, if that's what you did... And look, but look at the numbers. The numbers around in different cities around the country are, are I mean, they're stunning. And, you know, let me tell you, like much of this, um, I think people are well-intentioned. And, and I think there's a fair bit of what Shelby Steele says is white guilt. And when somebody starts running their bullshit, you don't want to be that person that stands up in that meeting Right, and in your own brain, puts on their Ku Klux Klan hat and pushes back, and says, "You know what? That's bullshit. I'm not a racist. I've never been a racist." Okay. And 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 the anecdotal episodes that you're citing, that's not systemic racism. Okay, the system has to be fair to everybody. Everybody. So anyway, um, nobody wants to be that guy. And then slowly but surely, this stuff seeps into the wood. 
And then it gets to a point where you look around one day and you're like, what the fuck happened? How is the murder rate doing what it is? Look at New York City. Bill de Blasio. I mean, what a piece of shit. I mean, what, what an absolute... I mean, how the fuck is that guy in office, man? He's destroying that city. I was talking to somebody the other day and said, Mac, you should see New York City. It's fucking creepy. Look at the crime numbers. Look what he's done to that city. Yeah, protecting everybody. So anyway, have a great day. And and, and again, I, I have this to say about that. This too will run its course. And the pendulum will seek equilibrium. And at some point, the mayor of Atlanta, she will get voted out. Because she will not do her number one responsibility, which is to protect the people of Atlanta from predators. And she will pay for that, as will any mayor around the country. So it, can't, it doesn't work like that. And they will, and, and maybe she won't pay for it in the next election. Right? But at some point, a better candidate will come forward and people will look at her record and they will say, I, enough. No. No. So anyway, have a great day. On a Wednesday, I am out. Happy New Year, by the way. You could say that today. Today and tomorrow. And for the next four days, you could say Happy New Year. Right. Good luck. I'm out. Again. Headed to LAX in 45 minutes. Max Uber service. Yeah, just trying to help somebody out. Beaumont, man. What the fuck? That's like halfway to 29 Palms. We'll be back later today.